Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk tonight. Um, I actually, I discussed this with the youth kids a few weeks ago um, before we left for vacation. And, um, and by the way, wow, it's just so nice to be back in the house of God. We were, we had, I had the privilege to be back or out on vacation with my family for that, the past couple weeks. Saw a lot of cool things that I've never seen in my life, and it was just kind of a once-in-a-lifetime vacation, so I was very thankful. But is it nice to be back with our church family and to be in the house of God? But before I left, um, we talked on Wednesday night about something that I thought was really interesting. And I, we only had a couple of kids there, and I thought maybe it would be beneficial to some of us tonight. So bear with me. I'm going to try, to try to just let God use me here and make it as little of me as possible. But I want to talk to us about doing something different. I guess if I had to title it tonight, it's going to be Do Something Different. Okay? The Webster definition of insanity is something different, but there's been kind of an old coinage that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Has anyone ever heard that before? It's, it's kind of common, and there, <laughs> it makes me laugh because there was a poster at one point and a, kind of a, a thing that went around Facebook, and it was about Brett Favre and how he would continue to throw into triple coverage over and over again, and it would still get intercepted. <laughs> um, it's not as funny because he's in the Hall of Fame now, and he's endeared by everyone. But it was really funny at the time when he went to the Vikings. But it kind of makes us think about our own lives. It makes us contemplate our own actions. Do we do things that are insane sometimes? Because we tend to just do the same things over and over and again and expect different results. Now, we don't throw interceptions, obviously, but I wonder if sometimes we harm ourselves by throwing our own interceptions in life. A killer analogy. <laughs> but I think a lot of us have done that before. A good example, I know, if it just, just to throw some out there, if we keep, for me, for instance, if I keep not working out and eating horribly, I'm not going to get any skinnier. It doesn't happen. And maybe we have a job where we're just, it feels like a dead end and it's not going anywhere. But we just keep going in day after day and expecting this promotion to come out of nowhere, right? But those things aren't going to change until we get on the treadmill or eat a salad or go back to night school. Until we do something different, those circumstances aren't going to change in our life. But I think we're so susceptible to just doing the same things and expecting or more or less hoping for a different result. And I don't know why that is precisely. I think it's just maybe in our human nature, but it's really interesting to think about. We want things to change, but we have to make it happen. And I, like I said, I don't think it's intentional, but I think we subconsciously expect different results and we hope for them. And unfortunately, we, we see this all around us. Our society has become a culture of entitlement and, and handouts. And you can go on and on about the millennial generation and how they behave and how they act in the workplace. But the reality is that sometimes, even though that's not our ideology, we just do that subconsciously, I think. And unfortunately, I think sometimes we expect other people to change their circumstance or to change themselves instead of ourselves. I think sometimes we expect the circumstances around us to change because it's not our fault, it's not our problem. I think sometimes in relationships this happens. As we see it around us, I think sometimes we have relationships where there might be problems or there might be conflict. And we don't, we don't like to blame ourselves. People just naturally don't like to blame themselves. And this is something I'm learning is that we can't 
we can only examine ourselves and control our actions. We can't control what other people do. The only thing you have control of is between you and God. You don't have control of what somebody else's decisions are. And I think we have to keep that in mind that instead of allowing things to happen around us and to keep proceeding with our actions that have clearly not produced anything different, we have to really just examine ourselves, even if it seems unnatural, even if it seems like it's not our fault. It's not the situation we put ourselves in. Maybe all we can do is examine ourselves and examine how we can do something different to change what we're dealing with. And why don't we just make the, the difference in our lives? Why don't we? It does seem kind of subconscious at times, but why don't we do it? And I think the reality is because it's scary. People fear change naturally. The idea of doing something different is uncomfortable. We've never done it before. And people don't like to take risks because they're afraid of failure. And it's not the risk people are afraid of, it's the potential consequence of that risk. It's what can happen if it doesn't work. What can happen if I fail? Because people hate that idea of failure and being perceived as a failure. But the reality is that risk equals reward. And this can be said of just about anything, anything in the world. I deal with it all the time. That's something I have, to, uh, I have to explain to people in my position is the more risk you take with your savings and your planning is the more reward you have potential to receive. Really, really safe things don't produce reward in the financial world. The U.S. Treasury bill makes like 1%. It's a very safe investment that's essentially guaranteed, but it doesn't produce anything. But if we can take risk, if we can be more aggressive, we can have a much greater reward. Donald Trump comes to mind too. I know you're not going to get through this without hearing that name. But Donald Trump comes to mind as somebody that took a tremendous amount of risk. And you can use any real estate mogul. You can use any person that's been just incredibly successful. They took a tremendous amount of risk. They put themselves out there. They did things that other people probably wouldn't have the audacity to do. And they failed. Donald Trump failed time and time again. It's, it's staggering the number of times he filed bankruptcy. It really is. But in spite of all that, he's successful in a lot of people's eyes, if you want to look at it financially or materialistically. He is incredibly successful because he put himself out there and he took those risks. And we have to think about that in our own lives sometimes in the sense of being a Christian. Is are, are we doing something different for God? Are we doing something to be different, because it might get hard. Being a Christian is not easy. I don't know if anyone's figured that out yet, but it's not really that easy. Because the world we live in is, is so different, it's, and it's so against, and we see it every day. It gets more and more averse to Christianity. But it's worth it, okay? Sometimes we're gonna fail at being a Christian, just like you might fail at anything else when you take a chance, when you step out. You might fail. And we might fail at being a Christian. In fact, I do probably every day. We all do. It's called sin. And we, we all fail. But the point is, is that, and the cool thing is, that what's different than everything else in life, is those failures don't have detrimental consequences on your life. Because we have a God that saves and forgives, and we have a God of grace and mercy. And we're so fortunate to have that. Those things, if we take chances for God, if we take risks and do something differently for God that we've never done before, who knows, it might not work out. Who knows? There might be a consequence in this life, but it's not going to hurt you with God. It's not going to hurt you in the kingdom of heaven. And I think sometimes we become insane in our relationship with God. 
And we expect things to be different. We expect our relationship to progress and change when we do the same things over and over. And we have to examine ourselves, I think. And we have to address ourselves. That I know I do personally. So again, why don't we do something different for God? It's the same answer, because it's scary. The unknown is just as scary as it is with anything else when it comes to ministry and sacrifice. It can be intimidating to sacrifice, can't it? It can be hard to give up of ourselves and to give of our resources and to give of our time. It can be very challenging because it's outside of our comfort zone. Right? It's just the same idea, no matter what you're referring to. And you think about it, how many people would drop their lives and go on a foreign mission at this moment if God called you to go to Korea or something like that to be a missionary? How many people would just drop everything they have and sell their house and go? It's hard. I'm not, I'm not casting that any of you wouldn't or any of you would be against the calling of God, but it's hard. It's challenging to think about that. But let's, let's take it down even further. I think we have, we have a fear of some simple things sometimes. I'm not comfortable with greeting people I've never met before. I'm not comfortable teaching Bible studies or teaching Sunday school. I'm not comfortable with that. But that's not an excuse not to do it. It's not an excuse not to give unto God. Because if we think that we're not comfortable doing something different for God, the devil is just lying to you. If you're telling yourself, I can't do this. I can't greet people. I can't teach a Bible study. As soon as you believe that, you believe the devil's lie that you can't have more from God. Because if you believe that, as soon as you allow the devil to convince you you can't do something different for God, he's prohibited you from receiving something different from God. And I guess that's the punchline I'm getting at here is that if we can't do something different for God, we're not going to get anything different. We're not going to grow in God. So we have to think about that. We have to think about what we can do to be different, what we can do to do more for God. It's easy to come to church on a Sunday morning and spend the rest of our week however we please, however we want to. It's the, it's the easy thing to do. We feel okay because we came for a service, but we live our lives and do the rest of the things that we choose to do. But I certainly don't want a Sunday morning only portion of God in my life. I don't, I don't want just that to be what my life's about. If you feel stuck in your relationship, if you feel sluggish when we come to church, if we, if we feel like we're just out of touch with God, we got to do something different. We have to do more than we've been doing. And it's that simple sometimes. I'm a really simple guy, so sometimes I just think of it in the most simple terms. Maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe all I have to do is something I've never done before. We do different things when we're desperate. When you're healthy and you're well, you don't go to the hospital and you don't go to see specialists and stuff like that. You go when you're sick. I know there's people that'll pay thousands of dollars to make their pets feel better and to go to the vet and things like that. We wouldn't normally do those things, but we do when we're desperate, when we don't know who to turn to. So I wonder why we can't get desperate for God sometimes. Eventually, we have to get tired. We have to get sick of the same old stagnant relationship. And I'm not condemning anyone's relationship, but the, what it comes down to is that we can always seek God more. We can always strive for more. I think the idea of complacency and being content is, is very dangerous. It's a dangerous position to be in for a Christian. 
I think it, the terminology, if you're not growing, you're dying, like in the business world, can be said of a Christian. If you're not growing, you're certainly not going anywhere but down as a Christian. We have to never stop seeking God. It's incredibly dangerous. But let's come down to earth for a second and talk about what our flesh endures. See, I don't, I don't know everything. I certainly don't claim to be, to be a parent or to have a family or to know everything that a person that's been an adult for years and years knows. I don't, I don't claim to do that. But we, we go through things as families and as people and as Christians. And I think the simplest terms, your, your kid has a bad attitude or you see your family that's walking away from God, do something different. Teach a Bible study. Instead of sitting around worrying about it, let's do something different for God so we can see a change in our lives. Let's do something different so that there's a change in something we didn't think we could have an impact on. Your relationships are struggling and you feel lonely. Do something different. Go be a greeter. Go reach out to new people. People that need someone to hug their neck. To love them. If you haven't had a breakthrough at the altar for a while, Change something in your prayer life. Fast. Do something you've never done before. And see what God will do for you in response. We have to pray more. We've got to give of ourselves. We need to make our lives about God again. It's time that we consecrate our lives to God and we get over our own personal agendas. I'm teaching to myself more than anyone tonight. I understand we have lives and we have jobs and we have families and life is hectic and it's insane sometimes. But what's going to save us? The t-ball games or God? And I don't mean to be facetious, but what, what is it? What, what's the end result? What's more important? I think we sometimes have to remind ourselves of that because it's so easy to get wrapped up in just the cycle of, of life. It's so easy to forget who saved us and where we're headed. And this, again, this is pertinent to me more than anybody. If your youth students are intimidated to worship, I need to do something different for God. I need to pray more. I need to be more of an example. But to do something different, we have to obey God as well, right? We, should, we, we ought to do what he asks of us instead of just going at this blindly. And this is where obedience is so important. And I want to tell you guys the story of Moses for a few minutes tonight. I want to talk about that. Because I think it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot we can learn from Moses to do and not to do. It's a really interesting story. And Moses recognized the persecution that the Egyptians placed on the Hebrews. He saw what was happening. It says in Hebrews 2, he recognized it. And he, he took action against it. He finally did something different because he couldn't stand what was going on around him. Exodus 2 says he witnessed his brethren or his brother. Whenever he referred to the Hebrews, he witnessed his brother and he saw the Egyptians smiting his brother, he knew something was wrong, and he eventually realized that he had to do something different than stay put in his surroundings. Okay? See, Moses was raised, as you all know, the story, he was raised in Pharaoh's household. He had access to every luxury imaginable. Right? He had every royal privilege at his fingertips. He was in a really comfortable... It'd be really easy to be complacent in the Pharaoh's household. It'd be really easy to be comfortable in that situation. Very easy. And it would have been really easy to just stay put and enjoy his life and enjoy all the, the luxuries that he had at his disposal. But he wanted something different to happen. Something pulled inside of him and he realized, I can't watch this anymore. I think we need to do the same thing. We need to think, 
Because I think we all have it inside of us. We all have that pull that I need more. There's a, there's a void that I need more from God. I need, I need more every day. And we, we can't stop. We can't stop seeking God. We can't get to a point where like, I, I've reached the level I want to be at. I've reached that point. We, we can't ever get there. There's always something more we can do for God. Exodus 3, verses 9 through 11. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go on to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? Wow. That's, that's not the thing you want to ask God. <laughs> Moses is essentially saying, I'm not worthy of this. I have no right to do this. Have we ever been there before? Why am I in this position? How can I teach a Bible study? How can I be a youth leader? I know I have. Been in that position where I said, I can't do this. I, I don't think I don't think I'm worthy of this. I don't think I've done enough for God. I don't think I've been a good enough person. Anyone ever felt like that? I'm just not a good enough person. I know I've been there. And that's the same way Moses felt. He says, Who am I? See, we want our lives to be different and we want God to help. But when he asks something of us, what is our response? We, we want God so much. We want him to change our lives. We want different things to happen for our family. We want our families to be saved. We want him to change us. But when he asks something of us, what do we say? And it's rhetorical. Maybe you say yes. Maybe you dive at the opportunity. But let's think about that for ourselves. Do we say, who am I? Or do we say, anything, my Lord? Moses is essentially saying, I'm not good enough. Let's go to Exodus 3 and 19. And I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Wow. So God tells him everything that he's going to do through Moses. He, he lays out the plan. See, a lot of times we don't have that privilege. God says, go and do this, and we have to have confidence that God's going to take care of us, and he has a plan. But he, he tells him word for word because Moses was so petrified before. He was so afraid to go before, and he says, who am I? I'm not worthy of this. So, so God's really good to Moses here. He says, I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. He says, I'm going to destroy Egypt right in front of you. And he pretty much explains it word for word. And after that, he will let you go. It seems, seems legitimate. God said it to him. But let's see how he responds. Exodus 4 and 1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. <laughs> so he still doesn't believe God. I find this kind of funny as he goes throughout this. He just, time after time, he says, I can't do this. 
I'm not capable of it. He already despised what the Egyptians were doing to the Hebrews. He already couldn't stand what was happening to his people, despite that he grew up his whole life in the Pharaoh's household. He knew he wanted it to be different. But he can't, even when God tells him what's going to happen, he explains what he's going to do. He can't bring himself to believe God and to trust God. He can't bring himself to do something different because he's afraid. What happens further down here, I'll just kind of summarize. He, he goes out to basically prove Moses wrong and to give him some courage. And he, he turns his staff to a serpent and then back to a staff again. He shows him, do this in front of the Israelites and they will believe. He puts his hand in the bush and he has leprosy. He puts it back in and he doesn't have leprosy. He says, do this in front of them, they will believe. And then he throws the water onto the banks and, so, and it turns into blood. He says, do this and then they will believe. Now, let's look again at what Moses says after that. Exodus 4 and 10 says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. <laughs> Moses really isn't getting it. God says, I'm going I'm to show them for you that I am God and that I, you are being used by me. And then he comes back with, well, I don't talk very good. I don't, I don't know how to speak eloquently. <laughs> That's his response. Talk about a guy that just has no confidence in himself with, with God on his side. So he's not getting it, and he says he has problems. Does anyone here have problems or weaknesses you perceive in your life? Does anyone have people, things that they feel self-conscious about or that they're not strong in? I think we all do, and I think we have to be careful of how we limit God. We gotta be careful of how we think, well, I'm not capable. Who am I? Once again, is what he's saying. David Meyer, our new um, district youth president, had a really interesting quote at one of the, or not a quote, but a, something he discussed at one of the rallies we went to recently at the Seed for Christ kickoff, and it really stuck with me. Sometimes just, you probably realize certain things stick with me, and they just resonate with me for some reason, and then a lot of things don't. But he said, God has been so good to me and he has given me so much more than I deserve. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but what he said was, sometimes I worry that one day everyone's just going to wake up and see who David Meyer really is and that I'm nothing and that I'm a sinner. But I don't have to worry about that because I have God and I'm whatever God wants me to be. And as long as I surrender myself to God, I'll be wherever he wants me to be. I don't have to worry about whether I'm qualified in my job or whether I'm qualified to be to minister. I don't have to worry about that. It's not about who you are as a person or what your weaknesses are, or what your disadvantages are, or what your adversity is. It doesn't matter because God makes you who you are. If God wants you somewhere, you will be there. You don't have to be afraid of what you are personally. And I thought that was so cool that he said that because we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about who we are as a person or, what, or that someday someone's going to wake up and think, wow, you really don't deserve to be a minister. You don't deserve to be a pastor, young people. You don't deserve to be a youth leader. Don't let anyone ever tell you that, that you don't deserve something because of who you are because if God puts you there, then that's what you are. We're what God's called us to be. But let's go to Exodus 4, 11, and 14. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? 
or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send it. Well, here, before I dive into that, basically, so what he's saying is, I like to sum it up just for my own understanding. But what he's saying is, I'll be your mouth. I, I created you. You're my creation. I will be your mouth. I will help you from speaking uneloquently. I will help you from being disabled of the mouth, or however you want to put it. I will teach you what to say. So he tells him again, he reassures him again, you're going to be fine. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about that. And here's how he responds. He says, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So he goes through all of this. And eventually God kind of gives up. And he just says, Fine, you won't do it, you won't listen. Now Aaron is gonna, he's gonna speak for you. Which is fine, Aaron helps him and, and they go before the Pharaoh and they, they free the children of Israel. But the point to be taken is that we have to not doubt God. We don't wanna be like Moses in that regard where we just keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't believe in myself. I don't be-. Basically what he's saying is not even himself. Eventually we're saying, I don't believe in you, God. When we say, who am I? We're saying, I don't believe in you. I don't believe in God, that you can do this, that you can bring me through this. And obviously, it's not that simple. It's intimidating. It's intimidating to, to do certain things that you're, not, that you're not comfortable with. It's intimidating to do something different for God. I think we all have things that we fear, that we're not comfortable with. It's just, it's just human nature. There's not, I don't know if there's anyone that can say, I have no fear. It's just that simple. But if we trust in God, there's nothing to be afraid of. We have to. And I think we have to be careful that we're not like Moses. We have to be careful that we don't question God repeatedly and repeatedly until his anger is kindled against us. And Moses was fortunate that God still used him but part of that blessing got to go to Aaron at that point. And I think we want to be careful. That struck me when I read that, that, gee, I don't want to lose the calling of God because I refused over and over again to respond. I refused over and over again to respond to the calling of God so Aaron gets to be called by God. I don't want that to happen. Because like David Meyer said, if I'm not a Christian, who am I? If I'm not a child of God, who am I really? I certainly don't want to find out. I want to be used by God. That's, that's all I want for my life, is how we need to think. I, all we need is to be used just to do his will, to be a servant. And if we do that, and if we respond, and if we do things differently than we've been, we will never stop growing in God. We will never stop growing closer to him. Amen. So it's funny how Moses is afraid to do something for God and that he challenges him in spite of everything God does to show him. So let's not reject God when he calls us, especially if you're seeking more of him. If you need something changed in your life, if you need a miracle, if you need salvation for your family, if you need God to give you direction, what your calling is, 
Young people, if you're living for your, or you're looking for your calling, you got to do something different for God. It doesn't happen while we're playing Xbox or while we're, we're messing around and going to the mall. It doesn't happen like that. We need to find something we can do to be a Christian now. I challenge you guys all the time, it's time to be an adult. It's time to be a Christian adult. You're responsible for your own salvation at this point. And we need to have the responsibility to seek God and to do more for him. If Moses hadn't responded to the voice of God, what would have been his alternative? So what would have happened at that point? He would have stayed in the wilderness with, with, uh, with everyone that he met when he fled Egypt. The Egyptians would still be in captivity. Who knows? Maybe God would have used somebody else entirely. We don't really know, but we know that nothing different probably would have happened from Moses' standpoint. Who knows? Maybe nothing at all would have happened. Maybe God wouldn't have used somebody else. If he hadn't done something different, if he hadn't stepped out and gone to Pharaoh, like he finally did, <laughs> after all that, he did finally go before Pharaoh, if you ever read the story, and he does save the children of Israel, and God uses him to do that. But maybe if he doesn't listen and he doesn't step out and do something he's afraid to do, like speak in front of a Pharaoh, maybe the children of Israel are never released from bondage. And don't free captivity. We can stand together. I don't think a nation's sovereignty is resting on any of us here tonight. I don't think any of us were being depended on to free somebody or a nation out of captivity. But maybe the salvation of your family or your friends is. Maybe we have people that are truly depending on us and they don't know it and they don't want it, maybe. Maybe it goes that far. But we might be, as Brother Kylie always says, we might be the only Jesus they ever see. And you know these people. If we think about it, we all have family that isn't saved. We all have family that needs God. And we, we know that in our, in our minds, in our hearts. And maybe your own relationship with God is dependent on whether or not you can be obedient to him more and do more than you've already done. If you just break it down, is there, any, is there any limit to what we can do for God? There isn't. There's nothing more we can do. And, and to obey is all we have to do. The Bible says in Samuel, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Our obedience to God is much greater than anything you can give him, anything you can put forth. The obedience to do something different for God is so powerful. And it just might, someone's salvation just might depend on it. Those people that you have in your mind right now, those people that you care about and that you love and that mean the world to you that don't know God and don't know the truth and have salvation, they might be depending on you. And, and just maybe, Maybe this is just me taking a, a shot here, but just maybe that nothing will happen that will change that unless we do something different, unless we take that next step, unless we go and do something more for God. We give of ourselves. We follow God's calling. We sacrifice of our time. We obey the voice of God. Maybe God's just waiting for you to do that. Maybe he's just waiting for you to step out and say, overcome this fear you have. Your fear of 
talking in front of people or whatever it was for Moses. Maybe when you overcome that, that person that needs God is going to run up to you and say, please tell me what I need to do. Maybe they run to you and they, and they seek God like they never have. I, I think I've said enough. We just need to think about ourselves. We need to think about how we can do more for God, how we can be obedient and do something different. And why don't we come to this altar tonight and let's ask God what he would like of us, what he would like us to do that we've never done before and how we can do it. And let's be sensitive to the calling of God. Let's, let's listen for him. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.